Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Hey, uh, so listen, before we jump into the message, we want to remind everybody that I'm sure all of you are getting ready for your Christmas plans. Anybody get some Christmas shopping done this weekend? Some of you, all right, where's my procrastinators? Yeah, my people, all right. All right, so we're all getting ready for the Christmas season. Well, uh, so are we here at Community of Hope, and we're planning wonderful services uh, for you to bring your family to and invite your friends to for Christmas. This year, we want to let you know ahead of time, it's in your Connect folder. We also just want to talk about it real briefly. Here at the East Campus, we're actually, this is our first year with the Community of Hope has been here that we're going to have two Christmas Eve services. How about that? So we're going to have that five. Yep, it's a great thing. We're a growing church. We're a growing church. We're going to have it at five p.m. and at 6.30 p.m. at Christmas Eve. Now, here's the main reason that we're doing that at the East Campus. Um, when we used to have one service, it was nice because we'd pack everybody out. But there are people who would volunteer, who would serve with kids who would not get to go to a Christmas Eve service. By having two services, now you can attend one and serve at the other to help reach our community and serve others. So that's a great thing. If you're part of a service team, make sure you can ask, hey, how can I help on Christmas Eve? Uh, we need a lot of hands to chip it because there's going to be a lot of people who are going to come here. We're going to really try to reach folks this Christmas season. So pick the one that you're going to come to with your family. If you can serve, that'd be great. And make sure to invite some friends and family. Good? Great. Okay, awesome. Make sure you check that out. Now, if you've been with us for any longer than a year, you'll know about our Christmas missions offering that we have coming up that we also do during our Christmas Eve services. It's a little bit of a tradition for us that under this offering, 100% of what's collected during our Christmas Eve service at our West Campus, East Campus, 100% goes outside of Community of Hope to organizations, to missionaries, to all sorts of people doing God's work all throughout the world. So we're asking everybody to consider that coming up in this Christmas season. And our goal is for all of our campuses to raise in that one offering $75,000. You guys think we got it? East and West? Yeah, I think we do. I think we do. It's going to be a great thing. So I think we're going to crush that. So make sure you check that out. Okay, enough of that. Now, if you haven't already, go ahead and grab your sermon notes uh, that you're handed on your way in there in your Connect folder. Make sure you grab those. We're in week two of our season for Advent and our new series that we're calling Fear Not. Everyone say that with me. Fear Fear Not. All right, come on. Wake up a little bit. I know it's warm in here. Say it again. Fear Not. Fear not. There you go. Another good reason to pull out your sermon notes is to do this a little bit. Make sure you do that. So we're in a series called Fear Not. We're taking the four weeks of Advent to talk about fear and how it's such a prevalent issue in today's society and in our culture. We noticed during your team teaching time, I talked about this last week when you saw me on the screens, that we noticed that there are four accounts in the nativity narratives, in the stories of the birth of Jesus. There are four times when an angel says to four different groups of people, do not be afraid. And so we're taking these weeks to talk about it because we think it's such a big deal in our culture. So let me just start here. Let's talk about fear just for a few moments. Now, even though uh, we're going to preach heaven down on fear over these weeks in this series and how it affects our lives, I want to start today by beginning to remind all of you that fear is often good. Fear is often good. Fear is what keeps people alive. 
Fear is what helps people survive. Now, it's normal for many of us to experience fear. It's completely normal, completely valid, completely okay to experience fear when you see smoke curling from under a door. It's completely okay to feel fear when you're on the turnpike and it's pouring rain and you hydroplane. Right? Yeah. It's completely normal. It's completely normal to feel fear if you're hiking on a trail and you see a bear in the woods. That's normal. Now, somebody texted me this morning and said, now, if you have a beard, the bear should fear you. And I, I agreed with that. Amen. Yes. That's completely normal. It's completely normal if you're a little person who's asked to meet a stranger wearing red. That's completely normal. Look for it. Look for it. Do you see it? <laughs> it takes a little bit. It takes a little bit. Yeah, that's our kid's Christmas picture this year. So I'm allowed to show it. I'm not allowed to say who was afraid, though. <laughs> all right, enough of that. But you get what I'm saying. Like, all jokes aside, fear is a good thing. Often, fear is what keeps people alive. And when you lose a healthy sense of fear... That's actually not good. Like there's a trend going on right now. I'm not sure how many of you have seen this, but um, if you're a little bit younger, you've probably seen this. So all the fat on Instagram is for some people to take extremely dangerous selfies with their phone, okay? Now I'm not talking like a Seminole taking a selfie in the Gator Stadium in the middle of the game where we got shellacked last week. I'm not talking that. I'm talking something like this. Go ahead, look at that. That's somebody who's climbed up on top of a skyscraper. I think that's Chicago to take a selfie. Now, I've looked up the clinical psychological counseling term for this, and it's called stupid. <laughs> so you get, you get what I'm saying, right? That fear is often good. Fear is healthy. People don't survive if they don't have a healthy sense of fear. However, we talked about this last week. The number one mental health issue in all of America is fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety. Now, fear and anxiety are obviously connected, but it's how they're different from each other that helps people unlock it so they can heal from it. For instance... Um, Fear is more along these lines. The founder of what's known as cognitive therapy is a man named Dr. Aaron Beck. He and his co-author, Dr. David Clark, distinguish fear and anxiety like this. They say, fear is a basic and automatic response to actual or potential danger. Like, I see a bear in the woods and I feel afraid. I hydroplane and I feel afraid. You get it? It's an, it's an automatic response to actual or perceived danger. The difference with anxiety, on the other hand, is yes, anxiety is rooted in fear, but anxiety is future-oriented. Anxiety focuses on the future possibility of danger. So if fear says, I see a bear and I now feel fear, Anxiety says, what if tomorrow when I go hiking, I see a bear? You see the difference there? One is about what you're experiencing right now, and the other is consumed by what if 
thinking about the future. That's the difference between them. And this is important for how anxiety works. You know, on Thursday night, um, after we put our kids to bed, it had been a long day, it had been a good day. Um, sometimes I just zone out. People do different things to zone out. Men, we have our nothing box. Where we just unplug our brain and like to not think about anything. Right, guys? Mm, what are you thinking about? Nothing. Right, so um, what I do is, you know, sometimes I just go on my phone and I'm on Twitter sometimes. I just like to go on social media and see what's going on in the world. I like to see what's trending. Sometimes you find about news. Sometimes you read something funny. Sometimes you learn something interesting. Thursday night on Twitter, trending worldwide, first off, number one, or at least nationally number one, was the uh, Chicago Bears and Dallas Cowboys game. If you're a Cowboys fan, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are there any Bears fans here? Yeah, okay, you guys are happy, good, okay. Number two trending nationally on, tw- on Twitter, which is how many people were talking about this all on the social media platform. Number two was a hashtag called this, it called anxiety feels like. Now, a mental health organization with a Twitter account posted on there about what some common symptoms of anxiety and what anxiety attacks look like for others. And they encouraged other people who might struggle with anxiety to post what does anxiety feel like to them. And what I read was fascinating and heartbreaking all at the same time. I'd like to share some of it with you today. Um, Somebody wrote this. Anxiety feels like fear. Fear to open up. Fear to talk. Fear that people you love don't love you. You try to talk, but feel like they aren't interested, so you end it and pretend you have somewhere else to be. You actually give up and push them away. Listen to this. This has cost me so many friends. Wow. Another person wrote, anxiety feels like being terrified all the time about the smallest things and changes and also being scared to even take the first step to do the things I love and enjoy doing. Another person wrote, anxiety feels like you aren't worth it. Your work is terrible. You second guess everything. You're annoying. Everything is going wrong and it's your fault. You're worrying about the future, feeling disconnected and fidgeting. And let me tell you, many, many, many more were writing about this. For it to be the number two trending thing on Twitter in our nation, that means thousands and thousands and thousands thousands of people were talking about this and sharing about this on social media on Thursday nights because this is just consuming and eating people alive, especially the younger generations in America. It's eating them whole. And I read, I felt two things when I was reading this. I imagine some of you are feeling the same thing right now as I'm reading it to you. I felt compassion and I felt empathy. I felt compassion for these people because my goodness, what pain they're in and I identified with some of them because I know what it feels like to struggle with anxiety and fear and to get knots in your stomach about something. Anybody with me on knots in your stomach here? Yeah, I get it. We all get it to some degree. And what we're going to be talking about in our time for the rest of this morning is about a specific type of anxiety. See, last week we talked about a fear, the fear of missing, that kind of really lurks in the back of our minds. It's a deep-seated fear. This fear is right at the forefront of our minds. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to grab them or grab your message notes. We're going to have scriptures on the screen too. 
Let's read first our theme verse for the series, which is Luke 2, 10 through 11. We're going to read it out loud all together, and then we're going to jump into our passage for today. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 11, our theme verse. Let's read it together. Go. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And then our passage for today is one chapter earlier in Luke, where we're going to learn about uh, an angel, the angel Gabriel's announcement to Mary, that she will bear in her womb the Son of the living God. Luke 1, 26 says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. The angel left her. And then verse 46, Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. So Lord, would you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, bring illumination to what we just read? And would you pour out the light of the Holy Spirit upon these words so they bring light to our hearts. And Lord, would you shine away all the darkness of fear. Come, Holy Spirit, and do only what you can do in this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Okay, so uh, let's just talk for a few moments about Mary. And just to refresh our memory for some of you, because uh, this is just such a familiar passage, it's easy to forget some of the true details of the story. So we have a picture of Mary. What do you know? Uh, they had HD cameras 2,000 years ago. Wow. <laughs> well, uh, just to refresh your memory, Mary was likely only 12 to 14 years old. She was barely a teenager. Uh, Mary was most likely uneducated, illiterate, unable to read and write. She was definitely part of the working class as she was betrothed to a carpenter, to a construction worker in Joseph. She was from uh, the city of Nazareth, as we had the region of Galilee. If you're not familiar with some of these things, um, Galilee was to Israel what the South is to America. And so uh, for those of us here in Palm Beach County, like it's weird with Florida, the further south you get, the more New York you become, right? 
But just, just roll with me here. Um, like people in Galilee had weird accents. Um, people said, especially if, like a town in Nazareth, it, it's later on said in the New Testament when somebody hears that Jesus is from Nazareth, they go, can anything good come from Nazareth? Like that was a catchphrase going on there. It would be the same thing. Like, can anything good come from Loxahatchee? I just preached in Loxahatchee last night. Take a chill pill. It's fine. Do you get what I'm saying? And this is the person who couldn't read, who couldn't write, who was poor, who was uneducated, who was working class, who was from Nazareth, who had a weird accent. Couldn't even get a driver's license today. She's picked to bear the Son of God. Wow. I don't know about you, but if I were Mary, I might have felt a little inadequate. Like, me? You sure? You sure you didn't mean the Mary in the other town? See, in this passage, we're talking about some of the fears, the immediate truth that's at place when an angel comes to Mary and says, do not be afraid. What he's talking about literally is probably she's freaking out because of an angelic messenger warrior of light has appeared to her. Not a baby wearing a diaper with a harp, a serious warrior of God. And she's probably freaking out, man. But there's a deeper metaphorical layer of truth that's in every single one of these passages about real fears that everybody struggles with, whether you're alive 2,000 years ago or today in 2019 in Palm Beach County. Today, we want to talk about what we think is a metaphorical truth in this passage, which is the fear of being not enough. The fear of being not enough. The fear and feeling of inadequacy. The fears that lie to us and tell us several things like, you're not smart enough. You're not strong enough. You're not good enough. You're actually not tall enough to ride this ride. You're not thin enough. Oh, you're not, you're not fit enough to do this. You're not pretty enough. Well, you're not manly enough. Oh, well, you're not young enough. Oh, you're not old enough. You're not educated enough. You're not cool enough, not confident enough, not rich enough, not healthy enough, not influential enough, not holy enough, or pure, or clean enough. See, the connection between this type of anxiety that we're talking about today is the type of anxiety that has these constant running fears that we're not good enough and you fill in the blank for where you struggle. And the way this anxiety affects us is it's always future-oriented. It's already what-if-oriented. It always tells us, I'm going to fail, and it will be my fault because I am not enough. Anybody resonate? Yeah. Now, it's my job as a biblical communicator to not only identify lies that we struggle with, but this is true in the Bible and what uh, great counseling techniques today have learned is what the Bible's been teaching for over 2,000 years, that in order to combat fear, you need to replace it with truth. 
This is what people pay counselors a lot of money to do. They take the fear and they remove the fear and replace it with a truthful, courageous thought. And what we're going to do today is just do what the Bible tells us to do. Is when we feel not enough, we're going to replace it with a truth. And every time you feel this fear, you need to learn to say this to yourself. And it's this right here. When I feel like I'm not enough, God is enough. Say that with me. God is enough. God is enough. Now, this is a transformative truth. But if you just see it on the screen without learning about how it might fit and apply to your life, you'd be like, great, pastor. That sounds like a nice little platitude that people put on coffee mugs and sell as like cheap merchandise at craft fairs and whatever. How does this actually matter to me that God is enough? Well, there's lots of little wrinkles in our passage where we're going to show you it matters here and it matters here and it matters here. Here's the first one. God is enough because God's presence, God's presence is enough. Luke one twenty eight says this. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, this isn't something that just applies to Mary, my friends. This applies to everybody. This is the the most common promises in all of the Bible, that the Lord is with you. And even though it's all over the pages of the Bible, it's so misunderstood and so least applied. You know what's the number one prayer I hear people pray? Because I pray with a lot of people. It's kind of my job, you know? You know what I hear people say all the time? God, just be with us today. God, just just be with me today. I mean, that's like nice. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that except for it's a bad prayer because God's already answered it. He already has said yes. It's the equivalent of going, God, when I walk outside today, would you just let there be air? Mm. And God, when I go outside today, would you let the color of the sky still be blue and not green? Please, in Jesus' name. Oh, wow, it is. He's already done it. It's the equivalent of, you know, oh, God, today, would you let Coke taste better than Pepsi? I mean, it already does, you know? All right. Uh, God, today, would you just let Starbucks taste better than Dunkin' Donuts? It already does. I mean, you know? You know what I'm saying? It works every time. That joke never gets old. Okay. God has already given you his presence. He's with you. But you don't understand it. See, when the angel's saying this to Mary, that the Lord is with you, he's not talking about, oh, the Lord will be in your womb, Mary. And some of you are like, well, it's easy for Mary to say, Jesus literally lived in her. He heard her heartbeat from inside of her. Of course, the Lord is with her. We can't identify with that. Now, if you're a woman here today and you had the blessing of being able to conceive and have a child, you know what it might be like. Guys, we're all on the outside looking in unless you're an idiot like me pretending. Look at this. Yeah, right? That was me and Leah with our first child. I'm just being stupid. Now, here's the deal. Even though Mary had Jesus literally live in her womb, you have something better than Mary. You have the spirit of Jesus available to come live in your heart by faith if you ask him. 
And that changes everything. When you feel inadequate, to know that the Lord is with you overcomes any fears of inadequacy and not being enough that you might have. Psalm 118 verse 7 says this, the Lord is with me. What does that mean? It means he is my helper and I will look and triumph on my enemies. Some of you need that today for some prognosis that you have here. That no matter what you're walking with through, you need to know the Lord is with you. He is your helper, and he's going to get you through it. Somebody say amen and help me preach this. Come on. The Lord is with you. He is your helper. You don't need to be afraid. It's not all on you because the God of the universe of on high is in your chest. God. God's presence is enough. His presence is enough. Not only that, God, how else is God enough? God's grace, his grace is enough. His grace is enough. Luke 1.30 says this. The angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. In the biblical Greek that this is originally written, and that word favor is the word charis, which means grace. It's translated just differently, same exact word, grace and favor. Grace is the unmerited favor of God that most Christians understand as mercy for forgiveness of sins. Thank God. Anybody here grateful for mercy? We're grateful for grace, but grace is not just mercy. Grace is power, power, favor to live. When um, everybody knows that I love coffee, like it practically runs through my veins. And I actually didn't start drinking coffee till my last year of college at Florida State, which means I struggled a lot at Florida State. Like, I struggled to stay awake. There was actually one class that I fell asleep in. Okay, so there was more than one, but you know. And uh, there was one day where I fell asleep in a class. It was a communications class, and I, and I fell asleep. And then the teacher called my name, said, Trevor, what do you think about that? And I woke up from my stupor, uh, uh, well, uh, 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 and you know when you're like half awake, but you have to say something? Hi, uh, well, the nonverbal communication's important for all parties across the tables, go football. <sighs> now here's the deal. What I didn't know was that there were two Trevors in the class. She called on the one who was awake, but the idiot who was asleep is the one who answered. <laughs> so I learned to drink coffee, and I became dependent on coffee to keep me awake. And what do you know? My last year went so much better than all these other years, because I, when I love the taste of it, I depend on it to keep me awake, right? Now, we're not here to talk about how I'm addicted to caffeine, <laughs> but we are here to talk about how I wish you would depend on God's grace way more. Many of you have it for the taking, but you don't lean on it. The Apostle Paul learned this in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Look at this. He said, but Jesus said to him one time, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Then he keeps going on in that verse. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ." Power may dwell with me or may rest on me. Grace is power. And see what the Apostle Paul is doing here. He's boasting, he's bragging about his weaknesses 
When in the world was the last time you bragged about a weakness you have? We don't do that. We cover up our weaknesses. We hide our weaknesses. But what we learn here about the grace of God and what you can take is instead of trying to hide your weaknesses, cover up your weaknesses, trying to supplement your weaknesses, you need to learn how to take the grace of God, which is like a divine power cord, and connect it to your weaknesses. And everywhere where you feel inadequate, where you feel not enough, and when fear comes knocking on that door, it says, you're not smart enough. You can't handle this. You're not strong enough. Open the door and look. I go, you're right. I'm not strong enough. But Christ's power rests in me. God's grace is enough. And slam the door in fear's face in Jesus' name. Just say it. Literally go, I know I'm not enough. You're right. God's grace is enough. Now get stepping. Devil, that's what you got to do. God's grace is enough for me. I know I'm not enough. And it's okay because the grace of God is enough. So we got to learn to shout it down. God's presence is enough. God's grace is enough. And lastly, we know that God's purposes are enough. And I'm so excited to share this with you. Um, when I shared this last night at West Campus, the Holy Spirit did something special in the room that I wasn't anticipating. And I can feel it here now too this morning actually. God's purposes are enough. Luke 1.37 says this. The angel told her, hey Mary, for no word from God will ever fail. That's inspirational, isn't it? But notice how it doesn't say that you will never fail. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say I won't fail, that I won't struggle, that my inadequacies won't, inadequacies won't ever catch up with me. It doesn't say this is, uh, God's word won't ever fail, but it doesn't say that we won't. We often all struggle. Sometimes we lose. Sometimes we do miss out. And I can feel it in the room that some of you carried grief in here this morning and pain and loss because of some stuff that's been going on in your life. And maybe it's your fault. Maybe it's a mistake you made. Maybe it's mistakes we've made. And we experience failure. But let me show you one more scripture here. Romans 8.28 says this. For we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Notice this, we know in all things, not in some things, not only the things I got right, where I did it all good, where I did it all God's way, but in all things, and that includes your failures, that includes your screw-ups, that includes your mess-ups, and that includes where you have blown up everything in your life. It includes all of that. And there's some of you here today where you have a mess that you brought here today. Certainly not all of us, but some of you. God put this on my heart just for a few of you here this morning where life is a mess and you feel like it's a dumpster fire right now. And you need to know that even when we have messed it all up, 
God's purposes are enough to where he could take even all the broken pieces of a life that we broke and he could take the good and the bad all together and work it still according to his purpose. God will accomplish his purposes in your life even if you've screwed it up. Somebody say amen to that. He'll still do it. The only posture that's required of you is what Mary did. Verse 38, look at this. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And some of you, instead of white knuckling your life and trying to hold it all together as it's falling apart and you're feeling all of your inadequacies in every place where you are not enough and it's falling apart, you need to quit white knuckling life and let it go and say, God, I am your servant. You're not my servant. I'm your servant. Take it all and accomplish your purposes in my life so that when fear comes knocking and says that you're not enough, you can look at it and say, you're right. And my God doesn't require me to be perfect. His purposes are still enough. God is enough. And this is why it's perfect that we're going to end today having a moment of holy communion. I'd like to invite the band to please come up. When Mary traveled with Joseph to go and give birth to Jesus in Bethlehem, many people don't know this, but Bethlehem means house of bread where, the, ironically, the bread of heaven would come to be born. And so, friends, I invite you now as we get ready to partake in communion, why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes, and I want you to just take a moment and confess your sins to God and maybe take a moment And give to God your fears and your failures and where you felt not enough and felt inadequate. Hand that over to him all now so that you can receive his grace. Do that now silently to yourself. I feel like there's somebody here today um, or I feel like God wants to say to you, that even now his grace is ready to meet you here today, right now. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, you and I, we are forgiven. Amen. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Take and eat and do so in remembrance of me. And likewise, he took the cup He gave thanks for it and he blessed it. He said, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Take a drink and do so in remembrance of me. So Father, thank you for sending Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Would you pour out the Holy Spirit now on this bread and on this juice? Make it be for us the body and blood of Christ to connect with you, your presence, your grace, your mercy, your power so that we may become your body for a broken and hurting world. Amen. In just a moment, when I dismiss you, you'll stand up, you'll go out your left, my right, and you'll come down and there'll be communion stations in each respective area. We'll have two new stations up here in the middle for the two middle sections. And what you're gonna do, somebody's gonna tear off a piece of bread. 
They're gonna, you're, you're gonna, they're gonna give it to you. You'll dip it in the cup. You'll take communion that way. We're gonna have a gluten-free station here in the back for anybody with any gluten sensitivities. And what we always say, community of hope, is that anybody could take communion at our church. The only requirement is that you want to follow Jesus and live at peace with one another. If that's so, then come to the table of Jesus. Let him meet your fears. Let him meet your inadequacies with his grace and his presence and his love and his power. Let's come to the table of Jesus. We're getting communion. We just have a holy moment to just wait on God and have a pause. You know, I was, as I was sitting on the front row, um, a thought popped in my head that I just want to share before we leave here today. We're talking about there at the very end, but even if you feel like you've messed it up, um, I, I just sense that you need to hear today before you leave, that if you lean into God, if you surrender to him, if you have open hands like Mary did, Lord, I'm your servant. May your purpose be fulfilled in me. Even if you feel like you've screwed it all up, God's grace is great enough to he will fulfill his purposes for your life. You didn't miss it. Amen? You will not miss God's purposes for your life. No matter what you have in your past, if you live like this, you won't miss it. His purposes and his grace is good enough to carry it through to completion in your life. Take that hope today. We have friends in the back prayer room here for anybody who needs prayer about anything. If you're sick, if you're struggling, if you're afraid, go back there. Have them pray for you. Go that way before you leave this way. Otherwise, prepare your hearts to receive this benediction. Now may the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Friends, go in God's peace. We'll see you next weekend.